Chapter 13 of Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms by Harriet Lummis Smith. Chapter 13 The Dilemma. On Saturday, as a rule, Jimmy got off at one o'clock or shortly after, ate a hasty luncheon, and started for home where he invariably found Pollyanna dressed and ready for an excursion of some sort. On these Saturday afternoons it never occurred to them to envy the rich, though probably nowhere in the world is wealth more ostentatious than in the great city where they were gradually beginning to feel at home. They always had a wonderful time on these half-holidays, and came back tired and enthusiastic and so hungry that it seemed impossible to wait for a regular dinner. Accordingly, Pollyanna had fallen into the way of having something for Saturday night that she could prepare in fifteen minutes or less. On this particular Saturday afternoon nothing especial had been planned, and Jimmy, as he had examined the contents of his pocket-book, congratulated himself that this was the case. Monday was payday, and in the meantime he had twenty-seven cents for incidental expenses. But this realization, which might have seemed disturbing to one of an apprehensive temperament, impressed Jimmy as rather amusing. His lack of funds would not interfere with their Saturday afternoon frolic, since both Pollyanna and himself possessed a pair of perfectly good feet, and there were plenty of ways they could amuse themselves without spending a penny. Under the circumstances, Jimmy decided that, instead of patronizing a lunch counter for his midday meal, he would go home and ask Pollyanna for a cold bite. He took the subway, was hurtled the usual number of miles along a subterranean passage, damp, clamorous, and draughty, and finally sought the upper air with as blithe a heart as could be expected from a young family man who found himself practically penniless. His spirits clouded slightly over the discovery that Pollyanna was not at home. At first he was inclined to believe that she was trying to tease him and had concealed herself somewhere about the establishment, but after his exhaustive search, occupying nearly two minutes, had proved this hypothesis untenable. He concluded that she must be at Judith's, and rang the bell of the adjoining apartment several times without results. Then the pangs of hunger prompted him to forage for himself. The result of his investigation was eminently satisfactory. In Pollyanna's ice-box he almost immediately discovered a plate of sliced chicken. Jimmy was inclined to take for granted whatever he found in Pollyanna's ice-box, and that was unfortunate. If he had stopped to think, he would have realized that they had not had fowl on the table since Christmas Day, and that the neat slices of chicken could not possibly be scraps remaining from that festal meal. But Jimmy's logical faculty was temporarily quiescent, and appetite in control. He made himself a sandwich using generous slices of the white meat, and when he had disposed of that, was ready for a second even larger. Then he poured himself a glass of milk from a convenient bottle, and smacked his lips over it. People might talk of country milk, but he would like to see any dairy that could beat that. He was just cleaning up, so as to obliterate all traces of his impromptu repast, when Pollyanna came. He heard her eager call. His hat and coat in the hall bore witness to his presence, and knew at once that something was in the wind. He hurried to learn what had happened, and, as he kissed her, had a sense of well-being, to which his late satisfying meal and her radiant look contributed about equally. 
Jimmy, who do you think is coming here for dinner? Matilda Fisher. Pollyanna giggled delightedly over the witticism. Now, Jimmy, be serious. Not Uncle John. No, but you're getting warmer. Aunt Polly. Jimmy, you're so slow that I'll have to tell you. It's Jamie and Sadie. Not really. Jimmy was as delighted as Pollyanna herself. Somewhere in the back of his head was the recollection that once he had been acutely jealous of the crippled youth whom Pollyanna had so much admired, but the memory was vague, as if it had concerned some folly of his childhood. "'That's fine,' he said, with unfeigned enthusiasm. "'Except for Uncle John, I don't know anybody I'd rather see. "'Are they going to be here long? "'I really don't know. "'Sadie called me up to ask if we'd come down to the hotel "'and take dinner with them tomorrow, "'and I said we would, of course, "'only they must come up and take dinner with us tonight. "'But Sadie said they were to have a late luncheon "'with someone from the publishing house, "'and please not to have too much.' so I decided to make it a supper instead of a dinner. "'I see,' said Jimmy, and suddenly, for no reason whatever, he felt extremely uncomfortable. "'Now listen carefully,' continued Pollyanna, quite unaware of his changed mood, "'and see what you think of what I've planned. They're used to nice things, and so I'm very particular. I thought I'd start with tomato soup in the bouillon cups, with a little dab of whipped cream on top of each one, and then—' She went on, checking off the items on her fingers. I thought I'd have fried oysters and chicken salad and hot biscuits, and for dessert a nice little pudding with whipped cream and coffee. Does that sound good to you? Fine, replied Jimmy in a hollow voice. You said chicken salad? Yes, of course I didn't have time to cook a chicken, so I bought some already cooked at the delicatessen. I'd rather buy it sliced and make the salad myself. Then I know it's really chicken and not veal. She glanced in Jimmy's direction, and was immediately checked in her gay chatter, for Jimmy's expression of misery was unmistakable. She took a backward step and cried in alarm. "'Why, Jimmy!' "'I'm afraid, dear,' Jimmy exclaimed haltingly, "'that maybe I—' "'Maybe I've upset your plans a little. "'That chicken in the ice-box!' Pollyanna gazed at him incredulously. "'Why, it's for the salad. "'You didn't touch that, did you?' "'I'm afraid I did.' "'You see, I hadn't had any luncheon, and I thought it was something left.' "'Why, you couldn't have thought that, Jimmy. When have we had chicken?' The inquiry was pertinent, but he felt a little annoyed that she should make it. "'I suppose it was stupid of me,' he acknowledged. "'But I didn't think.' Pollyanna had hurried to the ice-box. She looked inside, saw the plate of chicken cleared, except for a few scraps, and made another discovery. "'Why, Jimmy, what has happened to my cream?' "'Cream?' Jimmy repeated thickly, "'Was that cream?' Pollyanna turned a tragic face upon him. "'It wasn't ordinary cream. It was whipping cream.' She saw by his expression that he did not understand her, and gave the necessary explanation. "'Very rich, very expensive cream. That will whip.' "'Golly!' muttered the abashed Jimmy. "'I thought it was extra good.' At this juncture it was quite evident that Pollyanna struggled with the impulse to make a cutting rejoinder, and mastered it. When she spoke, nothing but the slight pensiveness of her voice revealed that she had been on the point of being disagreeable. "'I'm awfully sorry, Jimmy,' she said, "'but I shall have to borrow some money from you. I was pretty low anyway, and as long as we were going out to dinner tomorrow, and you get paid Monday, I spent nearly every cent I had for supper. I guess I'll need about two dollars.' 
Jimmy's face twitched. There was a humorous side to the situation, but for the moment he was quite incapable of seeing it. He was conscious only of intense mortification. His wife needed money to provide for the guests she had invited, and he had in his pocket the twenty-two cents that remained after paying his fare in the subway. He was perfectly aware that Pollyanna had ground for annoyance, but he felt that, if she scolded, his taut nerves would rebel. It was one of the occasions where a lack of tact or kindness may precipitate disaster out of all proportion to the trivial beginning. But Pollyanna was not lacking in tact, and certainly not in tenderness. Something in the expression of the face she loved best suddenly dispelled her feeling of vexation. "'What is it, Jimmy?' she questioned anxiously. "'Aren't you feeling well?' Jimmy produced from his pocket two dimes and two pennies and laid the offering on the table. "'With all my worldly goods I thee endow,' he quoted, and his smile was forced. Pollyanna stared, and Jimmy grimly explained, "'I came home to luncheon because I was nearly broke. "'Of course, if I'd known about Jamie and Sadie, "'I could have gone around to the savings bank "'and got enough to tide us over. "'But it's too late for that now, and I was hungry, "'and like an idiot I cleared out the ice-box.' "'Pollyanna suddenly realized that Jimmy was pleading his cause "'as if she had been a judge, and he the prisoner at the bar.' and with that realization came the knowledge that this was no way to face the situation. The problem was not hers, complicated by his blunder, but a partnership affair. Her impulse to irritability had passed, and she astonished Jimmy and possibly herself by bursting into a rather hysterical laugh. "'Did you ever hear of anything so ridiculous? What are we going to do?' Jimmy caught his breath, then grinned uncertainly. "'That's the juice of it,' he said, as he knit his brows. You couldn't borrow a little from Judith, could you? I could, and I'd do it in a minute, but the fact is, she owes me several dollars, and if I went to her, it would be too much like dunning her. Of course, that settles that. Any chance of getting any of the dealers around here to trust you? Pollyanna's ready colour rose as she pondered the question. I don't know, she acknowledged. I've always paid cash, and I've not bought very much in any one place. I'd hate terribly to ask for credit and be refused. Yes, we'd better not risk it. Then there's only one thing left to do, as far as I can see, and that is to hock something. What do you mean, Jimmy? Pollyanna looked distinctly alarmed. Hunt up one of the boys with the three balls, and see what he'll let me have on my watch. Pawn it? Pollyanna's tone indicated the extreme of horror. It's the only way I can think of to get money in a hurry— "'There's nothing disreputable about it, you know.' "'Perhaps not,' Pollyanna said doubtfully. "'But it sounds that way, doesn't it? "'And I couldn't bear to have you pawn that beautiful watch Uncle John gave you. "'I'll only have to be without it till I get my check. "'It's no worse, not as bad, as having a new mainspring. "'Would you rather I took some of the spoons?' "'A wedding presents?' shuddered Pollyanna, horrified by the mere suggestion. "'Oh, no!' The ringing of the doorbell interrupted their deliberations. "'It's the postman,' Pollyanna said, her manner indicating a total lack of interest in her correspondence, and Jimmy went downstairs to the letter-box. When he returned, Pollyanna had brought out her collection of jewellery, a very modest assortment, and was looking it over appraisingly. "'Letter postmarked Beldingsville,' remarked Jimmy, tossing it to her. "'What's all this?' "'Jimmy, suppose you see what you can borrow on this.' "'Not on your life. 
I got you into this mess by my greediness. Greediness, you poor starved boy. Jimmy disregarded the interruption, and I'm going to get you out of it. My watch won't come to any harm before Monday night, and that's the logical thing to do. He slipped his arm about her waist. Don't look so downhearted, or I'll feel more guilty than ever. Pollyanna roused herself and smiled with great determination, after which they kissed each other good-bye, as if fortifying themselves for a long separation. As Jimmy closed the door behind him, Pollyanna recalled the letter that Jimmy had said was postmarked Beldingsville. Glancing at the address, she saw it was from Nancy. As a rule, a letter from Nancy would have been welcomed with enthusiasm, but this afternoon Pollyanna was decidedly upset. She did not feel like reading anybody's letter, so she carried it over to her writing desk, intending to pigeonhole it till a more convenient season. And then, all at once, Nancy's broad, good-humoured face rose before her, and flooding back upon her came the memory of Nancy's tenderness and sympathy in those far-off days when Aunt Polly had hidden her affection as if it had been something to be ashamed of. Pollyanna's eyes suddenly grew misty. She seized the letter and broke the seal. A few moments later, Jimmy, swinging along rapidly in the direction of a pawn-shop, he happened to remember, heard behind him the patter of feet. He did not turn his head, being quite unaware that the aforesaid patter was any concern of his, till someone seized his arm. Then Jimmy turned quickly with a forbidding frown that turned to a look of amazement as Pollyanna, bareheaded, panting and altogether radiant, fell against his shoulder. She could not master sufficient breath to speak, but she held up her hand in which was clutched a worn five-dollar bill. Five dollars! stammered Jimmy. How did you unearth that? It was a minute before Pollyanna was able to gasp out the reply. Nancy's letter! Shirt! Waist! Wasn't it lucky? It's lucky, all right, but I don't know what you mean by shirt-waists. Still puffing, Pollyanna managed to explain that Nancy had seen an advertisement of shirt-waists in one of the city newspapers and sent it on to Pollyanna, along with money for the purchase of certain styles she had marked. I must tell her not to send money. Loose like that again, panted Pollyanna. But how lucky she did it this time. Sadie and Jamie arrived in a taxicab about five o'clock. Sadie was blooming, but Jamie looked pale and seemed nervous. He's been working so hard on his new book, Sadie said proudly. And Pollyanna, it's going to be the best one yet. I don't know whether it is or not, the author declared a little irritably. Sometimes I feel as if it were perfect rot. Sadie protested indignantly, and Pollyanna joined her. I've not read your book, but I know you couldn't possibly write anything that wasn't perfectly splendid. She was quite sincere in her praise, and she loved Jamie dearly, but, as she contrasted him with Jimmy, she was almost afraid that an unbecoming complacency would be written on her face for all to see. The temperament that went with talent impressed her as extremely difficult. She was glad that Jimmy was different. The supper-table looked extremely attractive, the tomato soup was delicious, and Jimmy felt as proud of his wife as she was feeling of him. But when the fried oysters, hot biscuits and chicken salad were brought on, Sadie looked at Jamie doubtfully. "'What do you think, dear? How much of this do you dare eat?' "'Oh, I don't believe it will hurt me.' "'Suppose you eat the oysters and leave out the salad,' suggested Sadie. 
and I know Pollyanna won't mind giving you a slice of bread instead of these delicious biscuits. Oh, I don't believe they'll hurt him, Sadie, Pollyanna protested. They're so much nicer than bread, and they're light as a feather. But Sadie shook her head and said she was sure Jamie had better not eat hot biscuit. You see, he spends so much time at his desk, she explained. He has to be more careful than a person who is exercising all the time. In other words, Jamie translated soberly, a man who is tied to two sticks has to guard his digestion. His manner did not suggest a successful young author, and it was necessary for them all to devote themselves to raising his spirits. Fortunately, the dessert was one he could eat, though Sadie vetoed the coffee. Jamie is so intense that his morning cup stimulates him enough. If he drank that, he wouldn't sleep all night. Sadie and Jamie left rather early, for Jamie was tired from his trip and the interview with his publishers. Once alone, Pollyanna and Jimmy attacked the dishes which had been piled in the sink to await the departure of their guests. As he wiped the last saucer and added it to the array upon the table, Jimmy suddenly turned and enveloped Pollyanna in a tremendous hug. "'Forgiven me yet for drinking up your cream?' "'Oh, Jimmy!' Pollyanna cried, her voice extremely earnest, for all its undercurrent of laughter. I'm so glad you could do it and never know the difference. End of chapter 13 Recording by Claire